0: Welcome, everyone, to The Lighthouse, a podcast series dedicated to providing advanced financial planning and wellness insights to the clients and families we serve. My name is Jack Butler, and my business partner, John Stanford, and I are financial advisors with the Hatteras Wealth Management Group at UBS, located at 6100 Fairview Road in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our guest today is Dr. Dan Carlin, who is the founder of World Clinic. World Clinic is a concierge medical practice that utilizes telemedicine to care for a diverse client base of organizations, senior executives, and their families. Dr. Carlin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and uh, we're happy to have you uh, on the podcast today. I thought we would start off by talking about Dr. Carlin. It's just a brief background of your career and where it led to World Clinic and where you're at today with that.
1: Background-wise, I'm a board-certified emergency physician. Uh, on the way to becoming that, though, I was also a naval officer for several years, spent a couple of years at sea. That experience informed what I do now, which is combining emergency medicine with providing medical care to ships, originally ships many years ago, but now pretty much anytime, anywhere in the world. So if you think about it, ER doc, naval experience, and then this vast technology of uh, wave these last 20 years, these three things kind of came together. And uh, I formed World Clinic, this deliver medical care anytime, anywhere in the world.
0: That's fascinating. You're definitely a pioneer in that space. You certainly as as uh, virtual medicine has become more popular here recently. Tell us the story of one of the first patients that you dealt with, who I believe was on a sailing venture and they got their arms stuck or something. I think that was interesting how that kind of came about. Sure,
1: sure. So sort of every revolution has the inflection point or the tinderbox moment and i had mine with a russian sailor named victor yazikov this was in 1998 the, the dawn of the internet i was one of the early adopters principally because the ships at sea were the earliest adopters these captains were using internet single sideband radios with a bandwidth of 1400 bits per second that seems inconceivably slow in today's terms but in the case of Victor Yasikov, he had a Comsat sea terminal, and I was in touch with him in the middle of an ocean sailboat race. He was in 900 miles east of Cape Town, South Africa, and he developed a terrible infection in his arm. I actually needed him to operate on himself to save his arm and by extension, his life. I was fortunate. He was a former Russian commando, tough as nails. I wrote him an email similar to almost like a recipe for a pan of brownies, you know, Step one, wash your hands. Step two, lay out your tools. Somewhere around step five or six was cut into your arm fast and deep and don't stop till you hit the pus. It was pretty dramatic stuff at the time, but it launched World Clinic. And it, it was a story that went around the world two or three times. That was the beginning of the age of telemedicine, that one particular case.
0: So you clearly knew that you were on to something at that point, because I mean, how often did people when they're traveling... Come across you know, freak accidents, for instance, with regards to their health, and they need good quality care. So, how would you say that that kind of ties into the purpose of Rural Clinic, and how has your mission changed over the years?
1: So that was the seminal moment. The concept behind everything, though, was leverage technology to deliver medical care on an anytime, anywhere basis. It has radically expanded since that solo case on a you know, literally a solo sailor and a sailboat race. We now take care of. Huge numbers of people, principally, they're uh, large-scale corporations where we're taking care of their partners, managing directors, senior executives, C-suite executives, critical project teams, but these folks are mobile or the value of their time is extremely high. So they're hiring World Clinic principally to get their healthcare managed quickly, get the events ordered quickly and as much as possible to avoid waiting in line for anything like in an appointment room or waiting for a test. They want access, they want action, they want accountability, and that's what we've given them. Now we've absolutely leveraged technology. It has matured. The smartphone for us was a gift. It allowed us to do so much more and so much more conveniently. So we're still on that curve now. We're really trying to figure out where does this end? Honestly, it's pretty exciting because we are seeing the scope of the practice go beyond just emergency care to a handful of people. Then it was emergency care to thousands of people that were, but mostly mobile. And now it's more almost primary care, urgent care and emergency care to tens of thousands of people at this point. So Exciting stuff. Again, I think it's just going to continue to grow. And we've been fortunate enough that we were able to start with the right group of people in the beginning that supported the practice model. Because as you know, Jack, telemedicine for the last, certainly for the first 20 years of my career, was a very small niche market inside conventional American medicine. Obviously, COVID changed all that. But if there's a bright side to COVID, I would tell you, honestly, it was the promulgation and the the promotion of telemedicine as an alternative to conventional medical care. I think we might even be at the second inflection point. Victor Gazikov might have been the first one mm-hmm. by Russian sailor, but COVID was probably the second one.
0: Well your your timing for that first inflection point was just unbelievable because that was kind of on the precipice of this huge technological revolution that we we're going to, you know, undergo over the next 20 years, right? You talked about smartphones and that technology that allows for that scale and that efficiency to be able to access that information and care, but also with COVID-19, just the people fast-tracking the adoption of it as well is obviously massive. Prior to services like World Clinic, what would people have available to them from an, another option standpoint? There, If they weren't using maybe a virtual concierge healthcare service uh, would be. Yeah. The
1: alternative to World Clinic is we're we're still something of an unusual phenomenon, but the alternative is basically office-based concierge care. It's good. You have a physician, hopefully, that's paying attention and keeping track of things. They're not open 24 hours a day like we are. They won't know who's going to help you if you live in New York, but you happen to fall sick in Dallas, Texas, or... Mombasa, Kenya or Moscow or wherever, that's probably the biggest difference is where ours is a global footprint, ultra fast, ultra convenient. Again, the smartphones made a lot of this possible, but concierge medicine was another one of these sort of trends that as it promulgated, people said, look, I want better medical care. I want to direct a relationship with my physician. This was another enabling trend for us, not just the technology, But this idea of, hey, one size doesn't fit all. I'm going to need more. I have an unusually pressured lifestyle and I need better support. And that's where we come in.
0: So give us some examples of when people would have those realizations, right? So is it a matter of, you know, they were maybe traveling and hiking in Kenya, right? And they fell and broke their ankle. And and now they're trying to find care. And they realize that I have to have something more, better quality, better access. Is that kind of the realization that many have to come to that conclusion or... I just can't imagine what the other alternatives would be. Probably. So
1: let's talk about the value proposition. Our first value proposition was we were the people you were going to call if you were ill or injured while you were traveling and away from home. That was always our calling card. And we've done amazing things with that. I have a CTO that just consolidated into a single database all of the commercial credentialed medical offices, practices, labs, imaging centers, and hospitals in the world. It's like we sort of, we took that Google Earth approach, we turned it into a database, and then we tied it with geolocation on the app we give our patients. The first problem to solve is you need someone to call if you're on the road. Now, it's very interesting. We're seeing a lot more demand for an on-call physician here in the United States. Again, some of this is due to COVID. People don't want to wait in crowded waiting rooms. They don't want to be in a situation where they really don't know how long it's going to take or how complex it's going to be. So they're calling us. So we're doing a lot more kind of simple uh, consultation, urgent care, ask a question. And we're doing this at home. Again, it's 24-7. So our typical client now is maybe calling us on a Saturday afternoon and saying, hey, my spouse just noted this freckle on my shoulder. Should I be worried about this? And of course, what they really want to know is, do I need to go to the doctor? So mm-hmm. at this point, we go right to video. Let me take a look at the freckle. And so, you know most of the time it's benign, but we've had two of this in the last two years where it's like, that is not benign. I'll get you an appointment with a dermatologist Monday afternoon or Tuesday. Give me your schedule. So it's almost like we're migrating into uh, telemedical primary care. And like I said, we're just touching the surface of this now. It's not unusual in what I do that we figure out something for the first time that's never been done before with these tools around smartphones and all these other things. But again, I think we're starting the second inflection point and in what is likely to be the next age of medicine, or certainly of connected medicine.
0: So, so tell us more about what that next age looks like. I mean, I know you talked about your CTO and being able to consolidate all that information right and in one. Platform, which is just remarkable. How else do you see that technology evolving? And this has become more mainstream for the broader market, just in general, for healthcare services in, in the US? Yep,
1: without a doubt. So, two things going on. Let's talk about the broader marketplace. Our models of care delivery are getting more and more efficient. One of our guiding principles from the very beginning is match the problem to the right provider. So if it's an administrative problem, route the call to administration. If it's a minor clinical problem or a follow-up, route it to one of our nurse practitioners. If it is an acute medical problem, you route it to one of our doctors. So you're getting to into real efficiencies. When we started, all problems went to the doctor. That's no longer the case. Now they go to the right place as fast as possible. So the cost is dropping. You're getting to efficiencies in these systems. So they're starting to become scalable. Certainly a lot of our processes and protocols. Now they're written down, they're trained to new staff. So you're seeing this scalability. So we're seeing the beginning of a market migration from the ultra high net worth to just the high net worth. And what I think is really interesting is we're very much now embedded in the lower C-suite upward. Does that make any sense? Like managing directors, partners, critical executives, C-suite executives, but we're we're now at a fairly large corporate book of business where the folks we are caring for, again, they just, I want someone to call, I want someone to save my time, I want someone who understands how busy I am. I think that migration, if you will, is just gonna go down market again, probably to middle management, and then ultimately to every worker everywhere. I see that coming and I'm excited about it. So demographic or market-wise, that's what's coming. What's really cool, what's so exciting is, again, back to the smartphone, if you have an iWatch or you've ever used an Alive Core, you know, we're doing some crazy stuff with this portable computer that looks like your phone. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're monitoring
1: heart rhythms, right? We are monitoring blood sugars. We have a tool that I can listen to your child's asthma from 5,000 miles away in real time via FaceTime. This is going to be a it's big enabler oh it's crazy in the sense of crazy good i mean that a lot of the interactions transactions that used to happen in an office we're getting these enabling technologies so i can look at your kids ear listen to their lungs i can check their blood sugar we did COVID again i don't like the virus but i i kind of like one of its outcomes was this expansion of care at home a lot more care got distributed down into the home. So we were doing things like observing COVID tests, documenting the results, putting them in a medical record file, attesting to those results in a letter, forwarding that letter to the whatever, it was an employer, it was a customs office, whatever it was, it was kind of amazing. We were bridging a lab result happening in a home, documenting it appropriately, and making sure it was getting to a regulatory body in the space of minutes not days, hours, faxes, nothing like that. So I see a lot more of that happening. A lot more medical care is gonna happen at home because we have the connectivity and now the devices to make it happen.
0: That's absolutely incredible. You talk about just the technology and being able to bring these scale and efficiency to healthcare to you know a broader market is just really intriguing. But just to get really kind of creative and thinking outside the box, I mean, you talked about some of the changes that are happening now with respects to being able to monitor a child's heart rate from or asthma from 5,000 miles away, but what other advancements with technology can you see coming around the corner maybe in the next five to 10 years? I mean, it's just amazing just to even think about that. Can I invert your question,
1: Jack? Because sure. I think we don't know. And I think that, the, you know, the question used to be is like, eh, what can this stuff do? You know, if you go back 10 years, you know, there's a lot of skepticism. Now the question is, among the enlightened folks, and there are many of them now, what can it not do? What Mm -hmm. transaction can't we replace? Right? Mm -hmm. So you think about, well, any situation where a physician has to have a hands on the physical patient telemedicine, it's not going to get you there but you know, that's a small, small percentage of medicine. And in fact, with some of these devices I described like the digital stethoscope, that even got even smaller and smaller. So I think now we're really faced with a re-examination of every single interaction, transaction, examination, interpretation that we've traditionally done in the office. Can we do it telemedically? I see a ton of exciting stuff going on in telepsychiatry where there's so many good reasons why it makes such perfect sense to be able to video link with your psychologist, your counselor, your psychiatrist and talk without having to burn up an hour and a half to get to their back and forth to their office and the inconvenience of all this. So I look at that and go, wow, that's a huge success story. The other thing I'm really excited about is we have a lot of folks with, you know, mild chronic illness. Telemedicine's fantastic at monitoring chronic diseases like Diabetes, checking and tracking blood sugars in a, in a real-time database over time, you can perfect your management, how much insulin to give, what medications are on. If you've got that many data points, you're clinically so much better at managing the condition. And likewise for things like blood pressure, chronic pain, depression, migraines, all of these chronic conditions, which used to kind of lurch from office visit to office visit, Telemedicine is enabling this continuity of care that's never existed before. And patients are most certainly benefiting. There's no question. You ask anyone with a chronic condition that's getting care in a telemedical model, they will endorse this to the high heavens. They love it.
0: It's just so much easier being able to do it from the comfort of your own home or wherever you are in the world as opposed to. Even when I think about going to the doctor, even with young kids, right? Just the, the idea of getting in the car and getting ready and then you know, getting there and waiting in the lobby. And to your point now with this COVID world that we live in, when you have these outbreaks that flare up from time to time, it's like the last place you wanna be, right? Is in a crowded waiting room with coughing sick people. And so I just think you know a lot of those routine type checkups are gonna change and continue to change going forward. So, you know, for, for someone who's not familiar with the whole landscape of the whole virtual medicine industry, How is Royal Clinic different from other options that are out there? Because It seems like it's a pretty unique one. Yeah, so it's ironic.
1: I was chatting with a private equity guy a couple of weeks ago. He's also a patient, but we have these funny conversations. He's like, Dan, you are actually the next generation of telemedicine. TeleDocs was the first generation of telemedicine, almost like an Uber model of matching a need for an urgent care physician phone call with someone that would adopt it, you know, it was, but it was an Uber model matching need, you know, to provider. But now we're in a place where that model is now moving into where we are, which is longitudinal, continuous, a huge focus on risk management around chronic conditions and a much broader scope of practice. Now, ironically, we started with the broad scope of practice. My frame of reference is my father's medical practice. He was a small town doctor in Western Massachusetts when I was a kid. He kind of did everything for everybody. And that's where we started. Now, my goodness, if we're the next generation, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about that. I'm a little hesitant to say what will come after that, because there's so much to work to do right in front of us right now with just restoring primary care, doing better with chronic conditions, answering patients' questions when they just have a simple question, You know that's one of the most valuable things I do because no one else can answer your question. You gotta make an appointment, nobody calls you back and, and on and on and on. So that's really where we are now. We're looking at, at this entire discipline or this area of telemedicine saying, what can't it do,
0: right? And um, and even from my own experiences, I never had done a virtual healthcare related appointment until uh, COVID had happened. And even recently, I, you know, in dealing with this sinus infection, I was given the option of being able to come in three weeks from now into the office, or I could schedule a virtual appointment like the next day. So I think, you know, the the next day route was much better for me where I was at that time, as opposed to waiting almost a month for, for that appointment. If someone in the audience is listening to this, Dr. Carlin, how would this work? What are the options they have available to them in terms of leveraging World Clinic? And and what would that look like in terms of the application of it?
1: We have a sort of a three-tiered service model, and it reflects much of our history. So the first tier is what we call silver. And this is having myself and our team, which is quite large now, on call to you when you travel. And we put our app on your phone. You have one of our medical kits. And wherever you go in the world, give us a heads up, you're going there, we'll research your your destination in advance. The moment you leave home, we're on call to you. And if you use the app, we can actually geolocate you. When you call for help, again, we'll map you into that Google Earth database of every credible provider when you most need it. So if you get sick in Liberia or some such place, we'll know exactly who's around you. You do have a prescription medical kit, which we have found incredibly valuable. That keeps you out of the emergency room, keeps you out of the urgent care center, and keeps you out of the 24-hour pharmacy at 3 o'clock in the morning. We have the ability to treat you with the contents of that medical kit. That's at the silver level, and it's really set up for the business traveler, honestly. At the next level, and this is where we're seeing all of our growth now, is the gold level, and this is the client just wants a doctor to call 24-7-7 for anything that comes up. They still have a medical kit, but now they can call us from home. But they want someone who is gonna take on a problem, be accountable, give them the accurate, actionable information, and let's all move on. Tell me exactly what I need to do to deal with this problem. For example, the the Saturday afternoon funny freckle I just described, that's a classic example. That's something that is ignored by most people, because it's incredibly inconvenient.
0: They don't want to go to the doctor. They just, you know. Not, right. Exactly. I'll go in three weeks when I can get an appointment.
1: Uh, and then three weeks come up, and they're a busy person, yeah. and they had to cancel the appointment. So now it's six weeks or nine weeks, and that freckle might have been a melanoma, and you just gave a melanoma a two-month head start. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. That's a bad idea, but the system is not set up to support your need or the busyness of your life. So we're seeing a a lot of growth in that gold level. It's just, I got a new problem. I want to call you, you're going to fix it. Then at the absolute platinum level, which is please take over my primary care. I don't have time for any of this. I've got a bunch of family problem family medical history things i'm concerned about but i just don't have the time to figure out am i at risk for heart disease or cancer you know i don't know if my blood pressure is well monitored i don't know if it's well managed and on and on and on we say okay be a platinum we're going to take over we're going to take over your primary care we're going to arrange the your annual hands-on physical we're going to check your blood work once twice three times a year depending on what we're worried about We'll schedule the imaging, you know, if you've got a family history of pancreatic cancer and we're looking at you as a higher risk patient, we're saying, well, we'll schedule the CT scan and put you under very close surveillance. So pancreatic cancer is never gonna surprise you. That's at the platinum level where we're just coming in and taking over. These levels of service are priced accordingly. We'll save the exact pricing for the future, but we tend to price pretty modestly silver gold and platinum for young and healthy and then the prices go up as you enter the healthcare years north of age 50 because we know we're going to be a lot busier and certainly north of 65 we will be busy north of 75 we're going to be very busy
0: <laughs> so i look forward to yeah <laughs> so where would someone go to find out more information about world clinic or the services that you guys provide
1: our website is a terrific, terrific collection of information. Stories can really get you up to speed very quickly on everything from the prescription contents of the medical kit to how we research a foreign destination for your travel. Start with the website. And then if absolutely any interest at all, you can drop an email to Alexa Carlin. My daughter is the head of client experience. Her email address is a Carlin, A-C-A-R-L-I-N at worldclinic.com. In our phone number, like I said, our office is pretty much never closed, 603-526-9003. If you call after hours, a lovely answering service person will answer. They'll forward your message to our on-call admin staff, and you'll get a call back typically within an hour, hour and a half from when you called. That's to our office. If you're one of our patients and you have our app and our hotline number, a physician answers your call in 35 seconds.
0: Well, um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And likewise, if uh, anybody listening to this has any interest in more information that we can provide with regards to this, uh, we'd be happy to do that as well. Um, I would say that you know some clients might be wondering, well, this is a, a fantastic resource and service, but what does that have to do with finance and money? But in our experience, uh, your client's wealth and, and health are inextricably linked. And and we just have seen so many clients who are extremely busy, or traveling all around the world, or even if they're retired and traveling all around the world, or just you know, especially in this post-COVID world, dealing with this new normal of trying to you know, revolutionize their healthcare experience. This is, I just think, has just been a, a fantastic resource for many. So Dr. Colonel, we just thank you so much for your time and, and a participation on today's show.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jack. Can I frame this in financial terms? Because boy, I spent a lot of time there. Really good portfolio managers understand that change is always in the wind and risk is always just a stone's throw away. I would tell everyone in your audience, you should be thinking that way about your health. Your health is not a permanent state of affairs. It is absolutely not. So approach it as a great portfolio manager, which would be, which is assess risk, identify the metrics that define the risk, improve those metrics and track the daylights out of them, and you will have a superior outcome. And for the record, a superior outcome in my world means you live a heck of a lot longer. And most people would prefer to live a lot longer. And I can even get more economic with you. If you're good at making money and you get with the program and live an extra seven to 10 years, I'm pretty certain I can double the amount of assets under management
0: in those 10 years. Right, right. Yeah. And and there's a lot of of similarities there, a lot of good analogies. And I think that's what this whole podcast series has been about, is, is trying to provide insights to clients for both. You know, from a planning, but also just a personal wellness standpoint as well, because when we go through life with clients, both good times and and bad, and if we can help on that journey anyway, a long way, that's what this is all about. So again, appreciate your time and for the insights. And like I said, the audience, if anyone has any questions or anything, feel free to reach out to us anytime. So thank you. Thank you, Jack. Disclaimer: Neither UBS Financial Services Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It's important that the clients understand the ways in which we conduct business and to carefully read the agreements and disclosures we provide them about the products and services we offer. For more information, please review the following PDF document at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only. It does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services Inc., the author, the securities or views stated herein. Any specific securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable.